Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. Happy Friday to those listening in podcast form. Happy Thursday, the real day that starts the weekend to, to the real ones who are with us on, on the YouTube stream. Ari, we have a Dear Andy slash Dear Ari question. I led my Dear Andy mailbag with this on The Athletic, but I, I feel like we need to have a more expanded discussion of it. Um, this Pete Sampson wrote a great story about this whole situation too, and we'll we'll talk about that, but... This is this came from Sam yesterday, and Sam's a re, you know avid reader, avid listener, and uh, I thought it encapsulated a lot of what we talk about. It's not just a Notre Dame question, but because of everything that happened with the whole offensive coordinator search, that's where Sam kind of plants the flag. So I want you to to hear Sam out, and and I want to see what you think because this is this is a topic that you and I have discussed quite a bit. So here we go. As a diehard Notre Dame fan who usually craps on Michigan. I completely understand now when their fans say, do we really want to win a title? Notre Dame has a big enough endowment to buy two NFL franchises and still be very financially stable, but won't pay a buyout for their head coach's pick for offensive coordinator. They won't get on board with an IL. The real question is why the hell should fans care and spend money to root for schools like Michigan and Notre Dame when their schools seem not to have the same level of care? If I was an Alabama or Georgia or LSU fan, I know my school is running through brick walls for their guys. My school is over here turning itself into a stepping stone job. I realize it's rhetorical, but with the changing landscape of college football, I feel like there has to be some sort of universal change that can come about to level this out or make the schools that appear not to care to actually care. There's a lot to unpack there, but let's let's kind of give the background here. A week ago... Notre Dame is looking at Andy Ludwig from Utah as a potential offensive coordinator. On Friday, Andy Ludwig has flown to South Bend for a second interview. He's paraded around. He sits next to Marcus Freeman at a Notre Dame hockey game. He's photographed. He's on the Jumbotron, blah, blah, blah. So usually when that happens, it's it's your job. You've you've basically accepted, it's been offered, you've you've said yes. Otherwise, you don't let all that stuff happen. That's why these colleges keep all these negotiations a secret most of the time, or at least attempt to. It comes out, and our Pete Sampson, who does a great job covering Notre Dame, wrote that you know Utah had a buyout inserted into the, the new contracts of his assistants, and to hire Andy Ludwig would cost $3 million bucks in buyout money. And to, to hire their offensive line coach would have been another million in buyout money. And according to Pete's reporting, the thought was that Notre Dame could negotiate that down. And when it was not possible to negotiate it down, the deal fell apart. This looked bad for Notre Dame. And that is, is kind of where Sam's coming from on this. Because you are a Notre Dame fan who wants to believe that your team can compete at the highest possible level, win national championships and 
beat programs that will write a blank check for anything. And sometimes, you know, as much as we say that different levels of college football are playing different sports when we're watching it, you know, the financial situations behind these programs are also sometimes playing different sports. Except you know, Notre like, Dame can play the same sport as Ohio State. But that's what I'm and, saying. And but they're Alabama not doing it. They're playing right. a different sport. Yeah. That's the entire point of the question. So, you know, it's like I kind of like to think like if Georgia needed a offensive coordinator or any coordinator or any assistant and they felt like their guy was somebody who would elevate the program and put them in a position to win a national championship, there's no financial extent that they wouldn't go to in order to get that done. Well, it's like, it's like Alabama just took Notre Dame's, you know, that that's and that's yeah. part another part of Sam's frustration is. LSU took just took Notre Dame's head coach a year ago. Alabama just took Notre Dame's offensive coordinator a week and a half ago. And so that's where he's saying stepping stone job. I, I think the the distinction here between schools is, you know, can't financially compete with those type of schools and won't. or won't. Yeah. And we're in a won't situation here. Now, here's what I will say about this, because I don't think this is necessarily a, a Notre Dame is acting like a poverty program situation, which is what everybody's making fun of Notre Dame for right now. I think the the what the flaw that was exposed in this one is a is a flaw of process where you got to know where you stand on that buyout. You got to know if if you're going to have to pay it or if you can negotiate it. You're going to need to know all that before you bring that guy to campus and parade him around. If you're comfortable with all that, then yeah, bring him to campus and, and get the deal done. If you're not, then don't make it public. Don't make your, your deliberations public. Don't make who you're talking to public. Like, it's different in college. There's a reason they keep it secret as long as they can. It's not like the NFL where it says, we're interviewing this guy for our open head coaching job today. Like, they send a tweet out. And it doesn't work that way in college because – politically, uh, in terms of perception, recruiting-wise, you don't want it to get out until you've taken the job. So, Well, you got to ask yourself the question of why are you in a position where you won't spend money the way your peers will? And I think with Notre Dame specifically, there is a disconnect, and, and Pete Sampson's talked about this quite a bit. Um when you think about Notre Dame fans and the football that they expect and the plane that they expect that program to be on, it doesn't necessarily seem reasonable because there are so many things about Notre Dame, not just finances, that prevent that from happening, whether it be academic standard that they won't they won't acquiesce to to get more people into college or right. you know, doing things that would separate Notre Dame football. Uh, and elevate it past Notre Dame being a student, right? So like, yeah, they, they, they want to preserve been, that. Right. They've been very adamant about they, they, they want their academic standards to be higher. They want the football player and all the athletes incorporated into the campus. Into the community. dorms, right? Right. They're, they're, they're rooming with, with non-athletes. And, and if you talk to some, some ex-Notre Dame players, they'll tell you they think that's one of the coolest things about playing at Notre Dame. Yeah. And, but it, it's, it's a choice, on Notre Dame's part, that, that that Ohio State doesn't make, that Alabama doesn't make, that LSU doesn't make. But it's an interesting situation because the fans expect something, but I'm not sure the administrators or the people who are writing checks or, op, or, or deciding whether checks go through or not view it the same way. So it's kind of a hard – we always talk about fan 
alignment between fan expectation and mm-hmm. real realistic ceilings for programs and getting those aligned and how it would be a tough situation as a coach or any other way or any other person dealing with a program when you don't have that alignment. You know, yeah. that's why I used to think that Tennessee was an impossible job because Tennessee fans um, and what they expect didn't, in my opinion, align with what the ceiling of the program was. And maybe I'm wrong about that now that Tennessee you, is getting better. Well, the, you may but, have been wrong about the ceiling, but the, the expectations part is, is certainly high. Yeah, yeah. But like what if you're Notre Dame and you're a Notre Dame fan, you want to win playoff games, you want to win a national mm-hmm. championship, but you're rooting for an institution that doesn't want to hold football to a higher standard because they don't want to be viewed or deemed as a football factory. Right. And but you is, want to beat football factory. So what do you do? Yeah. And this is where I just, again, I had this, uh, I say this a lot, and I, I said it with Michigan, although I think Michigan is starting to to turn on this. I think I think Michigan is starting to act more like Ohio State is and, and some of the other ones. You can and guess have, what? Their players will still get a good education. Right. You can have a kick-ass football team and a kick-ass children's hospital. What's interesting to me about Notre Dame in this aspect is, though, Notre Dame actually became an elite academic institution directly because of football. Like, fielding Yost blackballs Notre Dame from playing the members of the proto-Big Ten. So they have to go east to play Army. They have to go west to play USA. They wind up playing all over the country. They become the most famous Catholic school in America. That increases their their number of applications. That allows them to be more selective. That allows them to take a better a better version of student. Those people go off, become successful. They give money back to the school. Like it is, there's a direct line. It's it's part of the reason why Notre Dame cherishes its football independence so much. So basically school, what you're saying is Alabama is going to be Harvard in a few years. Other schools, you can't say that, but well, well, I've written this. I wrote this when, when Nick Saban got his last contract extension, Alabama, if you look at the number of applications they've received and they're not and, paying and, them enough <laughs> and a, yeah, a coordinated effort to take more out of state students because those people are paying the full boat rather than the in-state students who get you know, who are subsidized by the state legislature. Yeah. It's a, there's a lot of money involved in that. Mm-hmm. So, but for Notre Dame, you can actually directly trace it to football, which, mo, you know, like Harvard, you can't say that. University of Chicago, you can't, obviously can't say that because they de-emphasized athletics. But Notre Dame, there's a reason for that. And so I don't know that anybody would, in the in the general fan base, would feel lesser or feel like Notre Dame was a lesser school if it said, "Hey, we'll take all the same players that that Alabama and LSU can take. We'll we'll admit them all." And but that's Notre Dame's choice. The, the, my feeling on that is that is the choice of the Notre Dame community if that's what they want to do. This all the stakeholders, the donors, uh, the faculty, the the leadership, the coaching staff. But even if you don't want to acquiesce to that, and you still want to maintain the level of uh, academic prowess when it comes to the resumes of the students that go there, you still have a very large endowment. You still have a lot of money, right? right. Do it in situations like this where you yeah. can actually make a difference. So, so well, I maybe yeah, right. And let's talk about the money part of it because I understand where somebody's coming from when they say I don't want to pay this buyout for a court. So this buyout would have been three times the the amount. Any buyouts ever been paid for a coordinator is what an agent told me. And I, I I was going back through all the different scenarios, and I believe that. And and remember, do you remember when Texas hired Joe Wickline as the O-line coach? Yeah. But they had to call him the offensive coordinator so they could avoid paying a buyout to Oklahoma State. 
And yeah. then it, it went up, ended up going to court. I think that Texas ended up having to pay Ohio State something anyway. I, I never understood why Texas, with more money than God, was fighting this. Just pay the money. Who cares? But I guess if you're the, the person who's going to set the precedent in your industry, you don't want to set that precedent. But here's, here's the difference for me as just a dumb reptilian brain person watching the sport. I don't differentiate between the buyout money you paid Charlie Weiss and the buyout money you would have paid Utah to hire anybody. I don't either. That doesn't, no, that doesn't, I don't either. It's, it's buyout all money's dead buyout money. money. Yeah. yeah. I agree. No, I so, agree. So it, it's like you will you would have if you hadn't promoted Marcus Freeman, had you decided to hire, let's say you decided to hire Luke Fickle from Cincinnati at the time, you would have paid Cincinnati a buyout to hire Luke and Fickle. And it all comes from the same pot. Right. It's you're you're paying a buyout to hire a coach. And also now, Notre Dame hasn't done this yet. We've seen it happen quite a bit in the SEC and, and other places in the Big Ten. There's been a lot of buyout money paid to fire coordinators. Tons. So who cares? What's the difference? Yeah, I mean, it's all, I mean, I, I hear this all the time, Andy, and I'm sure you do too, but whenever a coach is considering taking a job, you know, and they say what's the most important thing to their success or their that they care about during the interview process. It is administrative buy-in. It's alignment, uh, yes. An alignment of what they're doing. Um, you know, and I understand the idea that you want to admit only a certain caliber of student to maintain the the integrity and the the bar that that university has set from from, like I said, an academic standard. But if you're Notre Dame and you have more money than uh 99% of other programs, why when you have a chance to differentiate yourself by getting a better coordinator or by getting another coach or adding to facilities or doing anything in your power that doesn't impede on academic discussions, why you wouldn't try to make up for the fact that you're unwilling to relent those academic standards right. it doesn't, by it doesn't overcompensating in other person. areas. It doesn't yeah. make you a worse person to spend the money you have for a thing you want. And also, too, is there like this thought process that if you spend too much money on football, then that money could have been better spent somewhere else in the university. It's all coming from an academic fund, right? So, or I mean, a, an athletic well, fund. At, at a, at a so, private at a private school, you can split it up however you want it. It's not, so. Is that the problem? Is it dollars, just so. is that is that the is that the issue? Like, what is it? Because I don't know what the problem is, and it's like almost feels like the Notre Dame administration, at least from the outside, is like the biggest current that's getting in the way of their rise. And and what's interesting about this now here's here's where I will give them credit. They do not have outsized expectations. The fan base might, some yeah. of the fan base might. The administration doesn't. The administration, since Jack Swarbrick's been there, at least to me, has seemed to have very in line expectations with what they are giving the coaches. Like they're not expecting. And then that's the alignment much. problem between the the administration and the fan and the fan base. Yes, yes. So really, I think what you would want is more of a, a fact find. And I would be curious because obviously the rank and file fans opinion does not count as much as the giant donors opinion. How do the giant donors feel about this? If they want to win national championships, it's their money. Go, go, go get them some national championships. Like stop trying to pretend that you don't care about football when we know you do. Like, yeah, that that's, that's the, the now if they don't, if all that other stuff's more important to them and not overspending on football or, or you know acting a little more prudent when it comes to spending on football matters to them, then by all means, just keep doing what you're doing. 
But if they want national championships and they're willing to pay for it, what are you trying to prove by not doing it? We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. So I'm assuming there's a group of people that have to make a decision as it pertains to buyouts and all the things that we're talking about here financially, right? Yeah. It's not just one person. Do the people that have their fingers on the pin number pad are they a hundred percent bought in on football that's a good question that's a good question and yeah again i i would need to be absolutely a hundred percent sure of where the discretion is coming from like where how where is it where's the hesitancy and who's saying no Right, because if it's somebody, if it's the big donors and and they don't want that, okay, it's their money. Give them what they want. Right. But if they're cool with it and they're willing to pay for it, then there's no reason to stand in the way of it. Again, you can be a great university and have a national championship football. Like, did you think Stanford was any less of an academic institution when they were good at football earlier in the last decade? No, and Notre Dame's always good at it. Yeah. Exactly. But it almost feels like they would be embarrassed to be great at it. And that's the issue. That's the issue right there. Be great at it. It's it's fine. We're still going to think you're a great university. Yeah. And that, like so, to me that like as a fan would be the biggest uh hardship as a fan. Cuz yeah. like as we sit here and we break down, and I do a lot of the recruiting breakdowns of like, how did Marcus Freeman do? He lost both five-star prospects last year that they had committed. Uh, it was a much better class than it was before in the average player ranking, but there is another gear to hit. Like, can they hit that gear? Yeah, and the NIL stuff, you know, it's funny because it that depends on who you talk to. Notre Dame fans are like, we're not we're not down with NIL at all, and then and then you talk to to somebody from another school is like, yeah, they're they're doing some NIL stuff, like they're into it, and. As as you've heard me say a bunch of times on this show, all you got to do is be a star at Notre Dame and you're going to do gangbusters NIL business Yeah, because you will be legit famous nationwide. They're just not going to participate in the inducement space. Right. It, or not in the same way as, as some of the right. other places. But it's all they need really is somebody to really hit it big as a as a current player. You don't have to induce anything. You just be like, see what happened with that guy? That could happen to you. Yep. And <laughs> trust me, that'll be pretty easy once that once that takes off. So I I am fascinated by this this whole discussion because 
I, I guess because of where I grew up, because of where I went to school, I've never thought about it being embarrassing to want to be great at football. Like, why would you be embarrassed by that? No, I, I also have never understood the idea that you can't be academically superior and also great at football. Yeah. Like why you can't have both. And like, that's the thing that we've gotten to the discussions over, you know, over and over again. It's like, why can't Stanford sign top 20 classes every year? Like, why isn't Northwestern signing better classes? You know, like to me, like Duke, um, you should be using that as a benefit. There's a lot of really good students that are football players. Well, I don't think the Ivy League is going to do this, but but I keep saying, you know, it, that because that antitrust exemption expired, if they actually wanted to give athletic scholarships, you could if if, you, if they really wanted to, they could build a powerhouse football conference. Yeah, because I I think there there are an entire there's a whole lot of really good football players who, if they're offered a full ride to an Ivy League school, are going to take it. Like I I also think too that like because some of the brainy institutions don't tend to recruit very well. It perpetuates the bullshit notion that football players are stupid. <laughs> it, it is bothersome. And I, and I, that's why I really liked Stanford's rise because it became pretty clear that they were going after, obviously they were going after the, the really good football players that they thought could, could be admitted to Stanford. But when Stanford went in on a lot of those guys, they immediately shot to the top of those guys' lists. Like, because football, like, as you put it, most football players are not dumb. And they're looking at, at oh, if I go to Stanford, they could prepare me for the NFL because they're putting guys in the NFL. And this degree could be amazing for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I would do it. Like, I like to think if I were a five-star prospect that I would have gone to Stanford, you know? If I, I could have gotten in. I joke, I joke about it with my kids, like... I was I was covering something a few years ago. I was at Rice and I was on the phone with my my family at home. And and my wife said, "Where are you today?" And I said, "I'm I'm doing something at Rice University." And she's like, and, and my wife's like, "Oh, what's that?" My my son's like, "What what is that?" I said, "It's a school that if they offer you a football scholarship, you're taking it, <laughs> like because it's a great school." I just looked <laughs> up out of state tuition for Stanford University for for uh, undergrad. Take a it's stab a at it. it uh, is this uh, is this with room and board and all, all in? It says uh, it says um, undergraduate tuition and fees. Okay, that's just the tuition. So would that be fifty right now? Fifty six thousand one hundred sixty nine. Wow, and then you're tacking on another another thirty for. So, like honestly board. speaking, if you think about yeah. NIL, it's like going to Stanford alone is a two hundred and fifty or three hundred fifty thousand dollar investment. Or depending on where you're coming from and where you live, because living in Palo Alto is not a cheap, uh, cheap exactly. proposition. Exactly. Uh, and then flights back and forth and food and meal plans and all this stuff like it is. I mean, you are if you go to play football at Stanford, you're almost getting a half a million do- dollars of value in that education and something that will well, set that, you up to make that's more money. All the, the scholarly commies used to say, too, when when you argued that that the schools should be able to to pay some people. And like, well, but they're getting this. And yes, at Stanford, you actually are getting that. At some of these state schools, it's not the same thing. It's yeah, but also, too, it. it's like you also have to, you know, I, whenever I, people used to say that to me, Andy, I'll be like, okay, next time uh, you get your paycheck, they're going to pay you in Bed Bath & Beyond gift cards. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth that. 
But yep. not everybody prioritizes that, right? So yeah, I mean, it is uh, it is beyond. It's not just bed yeah. and bath. It's like you could you could make a uh, hundred thousand dollars a year in bed be, bed bath and beyond gift cards, and I'll tell you one thing: you'd have every cool bathroom <laughs> gadget that's ever existed. No doubt, you're, those you're, those really nice trash cans that your close scale slowly. in your bathroom will be able to tell you how much of that is water weight. <laughs> uh, but um, it's but if you if you prioritize it, yeah, and that's something that matters to you. Like, I feel like Stanford should have the best sales pitch in college football. And there are certainly at least 40 elite level players that could qualify academically there that would care about those things. So why do they have bad recruiting classes? Well, there's still there's still a balance to be struck by who makes more NFL players like Alabama and Ohio State and Georgia right now have a prohibitive advantage in recruiting because they can tell you. Look how many NFL draft picks we made and look how high they got drafted. If you were a five-star tight end and you, like Deuce Robinson, who hasn't announced yet, Mm -hmm. Stanford isn't even a finalist. Why? Well, is he he for sure a take at Stanford? I don't know. I mean, that that is a question. That's the thing at Stanford. And and again, that's Stanford's choice, how how they want to handle that. But... I mean, it'd be hard if I was Deuce Robinson not to go to Georgia or Ohio State or who else is he looking at? Well, I will say this about Stanford because I somebody told me a recruiting story off the record mm-hmm. um, a few months ago about a prospect that they were recruiting very heavily in the top 100 at a certain position. And then that player went somewhere else or committed somewhere else. And then Stanford took another player. Mm-hmm. Um, that was rated much lower, and then that player, that was the high-rated yeah, player, came back, and they're like, "No too thanks." Late. The spots were gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so, but like they like the they actually purport Stanford, to do things the right way. Yeah. yeah. The other problem for Stanford is the admissions process takes a lot a lot longer for them to say yes, we can definitely take you, and a lot of other programs want answers before that process ends, and you got to be like top of the top of the top to be able to to push that decision back. So yeah. there, there, there are other, and that's the thing. These aren't one size fits all situations. So it's why Notre Dame's different. And again, it's the Notre Dame community's decision how they want to handle this, but you can have better alignment. Like you can get, you can let Marcus Freeman know, Hey, I don't think we're going to be able to do this buyout. Don't, don't bring him here. You guys keep talking. We'll we'll deal with the buyout stuff and give you a yes or no firm answer. But let's not make let's not let this get public yet. Andy, in and- my mid twenties, um, when I was working for Cleveland.com and the Plane Dealer, a unnamed company approached me to mm-hmm. work for them. Tesla. No, it was a oh. journalism company. Okay, I think. <laughs> um, and they flew me down to their city, and I can't tell you the city because I'd probably give it away. Mm-hmm. And they had a recruiter take me out to dinner and they took me to Capitol grill and spent two fifty on like drinks promising. Hey, you know, we're going to do this the right way. We want you to cover this, you know, this beautiful sales pitch. And they put me up in a hotel. Oh, and the, and the flight they booked was for the next day. Mm-hmm. So there's a hotel. Yep. So it was the hotel, the flight, everything. They must've been, at the very least into this deal of getting me down there to interview. And then when we were done with dinner at the end of the night and I was feeling good, I was like, okay, let's, you know, cause like this is sending a message that you're going to be getting. Yeah. Like if this is how you're treating me on this interview, then this is going to be a great salary. 
And the guy offered me 20 grand less than I was making currently. <laughs> and, Alignment. I got, and I got back on the airplane and I said, one, it's unbelievable how much corporate money is wasted every any year if this is the way that we're running things. <laughs> right. But in two, my time and the, the steak was great. So maybe it was worth it. Yeah. And your time was wasted by a question you could have just asked over the phone. Yes. Alignment. Alignment. It all matters. So Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark went on the podcast done by John Canzano and John Wilner, who are incredible reporters, very well sourced. If you're not listening to that show and you're a Pac-12 fan, you're crazy. You need to get on that and and just subscribe to it now. Uh, But they had Yormark on. They've had George Klyavkov on, the Pac-12 Commissioner, before. Yormark was very interesting, though, because he was talking about this perceived, you know, push pull between the, the Pac-12 and the Big 12 and, and a, a perceived competition between the two. Uh, Ari, apparently it's all our fault. No one's fighting. I mean, I, I have a great relationship with George. You know, we have a collegial re- re- relationship. I've known George for years. You know, I believe in this industry that you can partner with all of your colleagues and all for all the right reasons. But at the same time, know that from time to time you're going to compete. And that's the world we live in. That's the world I came from. Uh, you know, when I was the CEO of the Brooklyn Nets, you'd be at board meetings with your contemporaries from around the league. And everyone is thinking about what's in the best interest of the sport and the NBA. And then you leave that room and you also know that as much as you've spent three or four days thinking about what's in everyone's best interest, you are all going to compete for players. You're going to compete in a, in a particular market. Um, and, and I use that mindset here too. I mean, I, I, I look to partner with all of my colleagues in the power five as often as I can. And when the opportunity exists, but there is going to be those moments when we compete and that's just life. So we're not going after the PAC 12, the PAC 12 is not going after us. George and I have a nice relationship. The media has turned it into something different, but from my standpoint, I have a good relationship with all of my colleagues. It's important to me on a personal and professional level to grow those relationships but in time, but it, there will be those moments where we compete, and that's okay. Ari, this is all our fault. Wouldn't be the first time I heard that, Andy. Oh, man, we shouldn't have done this. I mean, we shouldn't have gotten up and said that the conference was open for business. We oh, shouldn't have said on the same podcast as this one, by the way. That we'd like a team in the in the Pacific time zone or a school in the Pacific time zone. I don't know where you came up with those crazy ideas. I think you should say sorry. I, I'm sorry. My bad. <laughs> My bad. No, really. But do listen to that. It's a good interview. And yeah. you, learn, you learn a lot more about Brett Yormark and, and how he came to, to do what he's doing and working at Rock Nation. And uh, But he's the one in the same podcast with Kinzano Wilner saying... The Big 12 would like to have a school in the in the Pacific time zone, which would give them all four time zones. Ari, do you think they would rather have Oregon or San Diego State? Which do you think they'd rather have? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think I'd rather live in San Diego than Eugene. <laughs> <laughs> They're coming for me now. No, yeah. And it's like, if they wanted to come tomorrow, do you like carry them on your own back, like a five-year-old back to Big 12 country? Like, 
If you're him, uh, like, probably. how do you transport him? Like, if the, if Oregon <laughs> said, "We'll come to the Big Twelve, but you have to carry us on your back," do you think he would do it? Absolutely. <laughs> I well, I will tell you in in Vegas when they had the all the meetings and stuff there. Me and me and Brett Yormark were opening the gym every morning, and that dude gets after it. Oh yeah, he's not playing around. <laughs> yeah, he's not playing around. So he he could do it. But was that well, Vegas? You said that was in Vegas. Yes. Psychopathic behavior. Only from only both of place. You. The only place in in Vegas with a clock is the hotel gym. By the way, so <laughs> they want you to leave. The solid verbal college football. I don't know if this is the actual solid verbal account sending this to is. us in the chat. Uh, looking, the solid verbal is rumored to be looking to add hosts from the Piggly Wiggly. For is this a job offer, Ari? I'm in the Piggly Wiggly footprint, aren't I? Uh, no, you're not. I am. There's a Piggly Wiggly in Athens, Texas. Okay. Well, it, there's actually Piggly Wigglies in Wisconsin. Like, it's a big footprint. It's a bigger footprint than people realize. So, yeah, fly me out to Chicago. Mm-hmm. Make me one of your pizzas. Do, wine do and ha- dine me. Talk all the big talk and then offer me 20 grand that I'm less than I'm What, what makes you think we're going to Chicago to see Dan? We could be going to Allentown to see Ty. I would rather go to Allentown. They've got casinos there. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we'll be right back after these words. The the Brett Yormark thing is interesting to me because, I, again, we've said this all along. I don't get the feeling that anybody in the Pac-12 wants to go anywhere. But you had that weird statement. We we didn't, we should have gotten into this on the show on Monday when the Pac-12 put out that statement. You had that weird statement from them, like we're doing it. We're we're making a TV deal. We think, mm-hmm. and we're we're very confident. We and we're putting out a statement for for reasons like just just tell us you've made your deal. Yes. And then nobody will have any questions anymore. Right. Yeah. And also, too, it just like seems to be common sense to infer that the two previously known as power five conferences that are have both lost major properties to or tent poles to those conferences. Yeah. Would be at odds. With one another in the sake of survival, right? Like, I don't right. know if it's simple business or simple common sense, but yeah, I don't know either, that either, inf- either they would merge or, or one pillage. would raid the other. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's human nature, right? So, yeah. uh, and I think that one power five conference could emerge from both of them and have a very good conference if they were to, to join their best properties together. Um, but without Texas, without Oklahoma, and without USC, um, UCLA too. Like the, you're talking about two conferences that need to make a spark somehow, mm-hmm. and they're in the in similar positions. So and they both want similar things because the Pac-12 is now they've got Pacific and Mountain Time Zone teams. We just saw George Klyavkov sitting at a basketball game of a Central Time Zone team, SMU. Yeah, so, and you're the one who made up they're open for business, but it did seem like they were open for business. Sure looks like the Big 12 is open for business, but yeah, it's our fault. Totally our fault. But I do recommend everybody go listen to that interview. Uh, Kinzana and Wilner do a great job, and I I was very enlightened, I thought, at the end of that. Well, the but, truth is, Andy, that expansion is technically happening because of media deals. Correct. So it, the media it, is at fault. Not, this is true. <laughs> We're talking the media. Well, that includes reporters and people, idiots who talk into microphones like us. Yeah. But it also includes 
the television stations, executives, and, streamers. Yeah. Yeah. With That's real funny. money. He, he's right. It is. I agree with him that the media is the problem. I, I, I like our, our guy, Josh Pate over at 24 seven, his, uh, his theory that, that somebody's just waiting to pack 12 out to just buy them lock, stock and barrel, like yeah. buy the whole thing. Yeah. Just buy the whole thing. <laughs> Which maybe we should do that. Should we? Should we divert funds from our Myrtle Beach Bowl project to uh, to buy a conference? <laughs> it would be cool if we had an ass conference. <laughs> I'll tell What's you better? one thing. What's better, a conference or a bowl game? We should do a podcast where uh, we just break down if the if we ran the ass conference, what it would look like, and like what the first thing that you would do would be. Mine would be to uh, remove unsportsmanlike conduct penalties from the game. Oh, you're just talking trash the whole time. You, you I don't think there's anything dances. that you can do that would stop me from or that would make me penalize you. I'm talking <laughs> I, props. I'm talking <laughs> dancing. I'm talking Sharpies in the sock. Cell phones in the goalpost stanchion. Yep. Everything. It's supposed to be fun. So I'm yeah, I'm probably on board with you there. Cap guns. Think, <laughs> not cap guns. You know, like Let's, cowboys, you know, I don't no, know. No, 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 no. Uh, I, I don't know. I, think I just. I do think that the celebratory part of the game is lacking and that it should be like everybody was so offended when Tom Herman did the, you know, yeah, I was yeah, like, oh, that was cool. Yeah. Listen, I don't mind. Like, we I don't talk about it. it. We were watching it. Trust, we were laughing. I don't trust a cornerback or a receiver who doesn't talk trash. So I'm, I'm fine with that. Again, it's supposed to be fun. Yeah. So it, it's what it. A lot of these people forget they're in the entertainment business. I, I do think more and more of them are realizing it. I think Brett Yormark, especially, probably because of his background with the with the Nets and with the NASCAR and with Rock Nation, understands that this is the entertainment business. You're putting out an entertainment product. Stop see, acting like it's something different. Did you see how much attention Juju Smith Schuster's tweet with the yes. with the Valentine card got? Yes. Like, think about that. Like, it was a now, I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have done that, but yeah, it worked. I'm not saying yeah. that I would have done it if I were him, but I'm happy he did. Like, it was a fun thing to follow. Poor Brad. I, you know, Bradbury's a stand-up guy for admitting that he he held him, but I don't think I'd admit that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing about it is, is that we are inherently interested in the shit talking. Yes, we are inher- inherently ist- interested in free agency and roster building well, and the things just, that happen behind the scenes. We're, in, we're interested in gossip, period. I, I found yeah. myself like today going down the rabbit hole of of who allegedly broke up Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly. So like, yeah, who was it? Do they do we know it's, or? his guitar player is the rumor and she is like she's got an Instagram feed that you is, you, he, is like she, she cheating or is he cheating? They're they're claiming he is. I don't okay, want to so get then, in trouble. Oh, L- allegedly, the, allegedly. And then the guitar player is the one who blew the whistle. Is that what the? Th- no, 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 no. Allegedly, something happened between the guitar player and Machine Gun Kelly. Allegedly. Okay. Yeah. So, I'm, I realize the seventy five percent of our listeners are like, who are these people? So, well, my favorite thing is is that like I have zero interest in any of this, but like I no. also like if you talk about it, I'm like what happened. Well, like it's it's one of those things that it came up on my Twitter feed, and I'm like, why is this guitar? Why is this lady well, because guitar they were player so in love, right? Spitting fire at a concert because that's what got my attention. Like, there's an Instagram post of her, she's playing the guitar, and then she literally spits fire on stage, and you're like, wow, that's that's impressive. 
Who is yeah. this person? And then you read why this person is now in the news. And it's like, oh, okay. her name is Sophie Lloyd. Okay, I'm going to read yeah. about her when we're done. Yes. Um, but you know what I, my fantasy would be? What's that? My sexual fantasy. No, it's oh, not. boy. Oh, God. No, my actual fantasy of being a uh, consumer of the sport would be is if they had a pay-per-view channel where they mic'd up everybody. There was no mm-hmm. commentators and you could hear what they were saying. Oh, my God. I would love it. I would love you it. You know how good that, how well that would well, perform? Well, in NASCAR, if you go to a race, you can listen in on the radios, and it, people love that. It's fantastic. She's like, if like, you know, you're watching on TV, and a cornerback swats a ball down, and he gets up, and he flails his arms out with the incomplete notion. Don't you want to hear when he turns his back and looks at the at the receiver shaking his head what he's saying? Oh, absolutely. I, I definitely want Because I'm sure it's funny as hell, too. So I'm I'm with you. All right, we got to do a random ranking, though. It is time. It's that time of the week. So this one came to us from a listener slash reader. His name is Justin Patton. He wants us to rank discontinued items at fast food restaurants. Mm-hmm. And I thought you were this excited was be, about this. I thought this was going to be harder because I was like, I don't know if they've discontinued that many things I like and I don't eat a lot of fast food anymore. So I've missed I've missed out on 10 to 15 years of this stuff. But no, no, no. The 80s and 90s were chock full of incredible fast food creations that is is just... Now, my number one might be gone because it's not actually fast food, but it's at a place that that we consider kind of a fast food chain. So, but it was it was amazing going down memory lane and I found a couple commercials for some of these products. Yeah. Holy crap. Well, let me let me start off by telling you one, I never go to Taco Bell as you know. Right. And half the people like there seem to be like a bunch of Taco Bell ones that aren't going to be on my list cuz I just don't go there. Yeah, I I made a rule um, that it had to be something I I had eaten. Okay. And so me too. I like like the be- I didn't have the Bell Beefer, which was Taco Bell's version of a hamburger where they put the taco meat on the bottom. and like the picture of that thing looked amazing. It's and it's a called Bell a Beaver. Bell Beefer. <laughs> So, so everything on my list I've eaten before and I actually yeah. miss. Yes, um, me too. And if it is like something like the McRib that is seasonal, it's not yeah, they on my come list. Back. They come back. Yeah. Um, or and, they've brought it back. Like I think Taco Bell elim- briefly eliminated the Double Decker Taco, but it's it's. I checked today and made sure it was it is on the menu, so it's not. It wasn't eligible for this. Okay, so do you want to go first? I feel like I always go first. You go first. Yeah, I'll go first. My number five the Wendy's frescata sandwiches. This was a, a brief period in the early 2000s where Wendy's was they trying to take sandwiches. on Subway. And so they had turkey and ham sandwiches on ciabatta. And they were delightful. Really? I, I never ate them. I saw those on the lists. I was like perusing through. Um, and it's so funny how there was this era of time in fast food restaurants where uh, one type of particular fast food was doing well. And then Wendy's yeah. and McDonald's tried to steal it. Like yes, with, like Wendy's. I mean, sorry, McDonald's try to do pizza because pizza chains are doing so well. Yes. And then, of course, they realize that you can't be everything to everyone all at once. The, the other one, work, I, I didn't include this one, but that same. That same M.O. when Hardy's did fried chicken, Hardy's fried chicken was awesome. Yeah, um, I don't remember having any of that, but OK. I think that's a good place to start. And if the McDonald's salad shakers appear on your list, I will let. If they are, they on do there, not. I, assure I will you say they I will not. leave. 
yeah. I will shut the. I will shut I the ne- I off never once considered ordering a salad shaker. I, okay. I was well aware of them, but I did not ever order one. I, I honestly was thinking to myself, if he says salad shaker, I'm going to just leave the Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> you you finish this off, okay? Mine is kind of peculiar, number five, mm-hmm. but is legit. McDonald's Szechuan sauce. Oh yeah, that was good. That was maybe the best nugget dipping sauce ever. And it's discontinued for some reason. And if you There's really probably some chemical in it, it will kill I, I think, you. I think they brought it back like for a little bit, like a few years ago. But if you want, you can buy McDonald's Szechuan sauce on eBay. And there are uh, they are fifteen dollars per little dipper, or you can buy a lot. You can buy a lot of them for three hundred bucks. How many you, is in a lot? What is uh, it? I think like or uh, like twenty five of them. Yes. Oh. Um, and like you know how McDonald's is? That's like you could drop a hamburger on your desk and leave it there for twenty years, and it would look like a hamburger. Soul. I guarantee you, it tastes exactly we, the same as you the remember. Expirations on these. There's like a McDonald's Szechuan sauce in the original packaging on eBay right now for twenty thousand dollars. <laughs> 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 but I'm a big honey mustard guy myself, um, and that's my favorite dipping sauce. But this was delicious, and it's just gone. And like, if everybody loves it so much, why would they get rid of it? I again, it's just a dipping sauce. Pro- there was either some chemical in it that would kill you, or some ingredient that made it prohibitively expensive because the price on the ingredient changed. It's peculiar. That's almost always the reason. All right, my number four is the McDLT, and I'll let Jason Alexander take it from here. Hey, you say you're getting tired of lettuce and tomato hamburgers in this town that don't quite make it? Yeah! You say that just once you'd like your hamburger hot and your lettuce and tomato cool and crisp all at the same time? Yeah! Well, I say you got it. I'm talking McDonald's new lettuce and tomato hamburger, the McDLT. I'm talking quarter pound of beef on the hot, hot side. And the hot stays hot. The new McDLT. Commercial was one of my favorites as a child, but that was like pre Seinfeld days. That was pre Seinfeld. Jason Alexander, pre Pretty Woman. Jason Alexander, that this burger, it's just a quarter pounder. It's all but it here, is. But here's here's how they did it. They used one pound of styrofoam to create a package where there's a compartment for the cooler ingredients, yeah. the top bun and the lettuce and the tomato. And a and a compartment for the warmer ingredients. It was it and I, I'm pretty sure I saw the first story about a hole in the ozone layer on ABC Nightly News, like six months after this thing came out, and all of a sudden it disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, watch, I've seen that commercial in the last few years on YouTube because I get nostalgic for 90s advertising sometimes. In nineties, uh, oh, that's eighties. That's eighties and nineties. Yeah, 
you know, just like we were going to talk a little bit about like uh, the atmospheres in some of these places, like the sunroom and the old Wendy's and stuff like when it was like that when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. But, um, okay. So my number four, and I found, I'm not a sweets guy. You know that about me. Right. But there's a few sweets online. The f- number four is my Burger King funnel cake sticks. I was wondering if, if if you'd have the funnel cake sticks or the cinnaminis. I like the cinnaminis a lot. I don't I'm think I ever had the funnel cake, cake sticks. I, I think that my favorite dessert might be a fresh funnel funnel cake at a carnival. A funnel cake is delicious. I I did it, not but ever it's savory get the and cake sweet. It's also savory too, so it yeah. it scratches that itch for me. Um, and Burger King did a pretty good job of of uh, duplicating that taste. Well, it's, I I don't know how I missed those. Because I, I do feel like that's something I would have ordered a lot of, but it, it mm-hmm. might have been after I stopped eating a lot of Burger King. But the yeah. cinnaminis were on the tail end of my Burger King eating experience, and those those were pretty good too. So my next one, number three, this is when KFC saw that everybody was was going anti carb and was like, I know we'll eliminate bread. The double down sandwich, the patties, quote unquote were t- basically two ch- fried chicken fillets. Which, by the then, way, have a ton of carbs in them. <laughs> of course. Of course. But between them, cheese and bacon. Yeah. It was uh, awesome. I actually never got around to eating that, so it's not on my list, but I knew that that would be on yours. A, a double down, I think, would probably cost about $12 today. Yeah. Just because <laughs> the, the, the price of meat has gone up considerably. Yeah, you want to watch your carbs? How about you just take two pieces of fried chicken and put mayonnaise in between them? <laughs> really so lose great. some weight that way. Yeah, that's <laughs> so uh, great. Um, there was a taco at Taco Bell that the shell was fried chicken. I remember that. And I've had that before. I just don't know if that's discontinued or not. But that was really good. Yeah, I, I can't remember if they've um, gotten rid of that or not. My number three is Pizza Hut Triple Decker Pizza. Ah, yes. Do you remember that? I do remember that. It used to be like it was like three or two uh, thin crust pizzas in a row or like on top of each other. Right. And you just like bite onto it. And it was just like a quesadilla ish type pizza. Listen, and this was the, and it was Pizza it was Hut of, has some mad scientists working in its test kitchens. Yeah, that's I all always, you need to know. I always give Taco Bell such crap because everything on their menu is made out of the same five ingredients. <laughs> uh, but the same thing for Pizza Hut, where they make pizza 900 different ways and they call it something different. And they were visionaries for being the first perfectors of the stuffed crust, but um, it was a triple decker pizza that got the uh, the nod for me, and it almost was the Pizzone. Uh, those yes. are pretty good too. They don't make those anymore, but Pizza Hut had to be represented on my list. Pizza Hut is represented on my list, but not at number two. Number two, the Little Caesars bacon wrapped deep dish. This was, I know how you feel about hot and ready. Mm-hmm. This was. The elevated hot and ready because their their deep dish is kind of is basically Detroit style pizza. It's a thick rectangular pizza. It's very good. But what they did is they wrapped three and a half feet of bacon around this pizza, and but it was before Little Caesars. It was eight dollars, Ari. Eight dollars before Little Caesars became the five dollar hot and ready. Walk in and grab your pizza for five buck place. Wasn't mm-hmm. it like a legitimate chain that actually had regular prices, or was it always legitimate? No, it was always cheaper because it, the, remember their motto was pizza, pizza. And what they would do is you order what you would order one and they'd give you two and they'd probably use enough cheese for one, but they'd give you two. Like the, the, the quality of Little Caesars has improved dramatically. Oh, this is the improved version of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a, I, I cannot imagine what worse Little Caesars tastes like. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, hey, I'll, I'll give that to you. OK, so my number two 
is the McDonald's Chicken Select Chicken uh, Strips. Ah, and I was wondering if these would make your list. These I should, never had these. These, have, these should have been number one, but the Chicken Selects were legitimately good chicken fingers. Um, and I don't know why they are gone, to be honest. Yeah, I that was that's one because yes, I I understand that the cane raising canes and Zaxby's do fingers better than McDonald's because it's mm-hmm. what they do. But if McDonald's offered just some chicken fingers, people would buy them. I mean, Wendy's does that. Right. Um, yeah, and they were really good. So I just realized that three of the five are from McDonald's on my list. That's so, okay. Uh, Nothing wrong with that. I was going to have a couple of Pizza Huts because like, like Triple Decker was one I considered too. But my number one is from Pizza Hut. Probably a little before your time. Uh, they pro- I, these, these were on their way out by the time you were being born. But the Priazzo is the greatest chain pizza creation in the history of the world. Here's the commercial. In Italy, they discovered long ago that to make the perfect Italian pie, you must start with the perfect recipe. Italian sausage, pepperoni, cheddar and mozzarella cheeses. As they bake, the meats and cheeses blend to create a taste unlike any you've experienced at Pizza Hut. We call that recipe Preazzo Roma Italian Pie. Discover it for yourself. So I would smash I, I got, that. I've got to describe this for you. It's It looks a little like a Chicago deep dish, but it's not quite. So imagine the base of a Chicago deep dish, and then you, you sauce that, and then you dump toppings in, like... In, the, in that, the Roma was a variety. There was a Florentine. There was there were a couple different. Yeah, varieties. but you wanted the one with the sausage in it. Yeah, the sausage, bacon, like the, the all the meats. So the, they dump all the meats in. They dump cheese into that. They then put another crust over top of that, mm-hmm. and then an, another layer of cheese with like, the sauce on top of the second. crust. Yes, with the sauce on top of the second crust. So a, a little like a Giordano's, uh, more like a Giordano's than I like a, a Gino's East or a Lou Malnati's. S- Mash that. It was so freaking good, Ari. So good. And I didn't realize this. I was I, I went down a rabbit hole on the Priazzo today. Apparently, in the era it was being served at Pizza Hut buffets, they would occasionally put out Priazzos. And oh, basically, yeah. the diners would stalk the employees like, when are you putting out a Priazzo? When are you putting out a Priazzo? So the Priazzo, here's what happened. And there's there's multiple theories on why it disappeared. It wasn't for lack of popularity because people absolutely loved it. It took 40 minutes to make. So that's taking oven space away from mm-hmm. pizzas that are higher profit margin. It uh, they they certain Pizza Hut switched oven like they, I guess Pizza Hut might have switched oven suppliers in the middle of it. Yeah. And the newer ovens weren't powerful enough to cook it properly because it was such a beast of a thing. And so that it, it, it died. But I, I remember to say it wasn't good for profits. No, no, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I remember I had a manager at Champ Sports when I was in high school. Uh, and he he had this like 30 minute soliloquy on the Priazzo. And he, he was talking about like he called pizza. and He's like, I will pay you $40 to make me a Priazzo. <laughs> and they, <laughs> they wouldn't, wouldn't do, do it. it. This is $40, $19.95. Oh, so. man, that's hilarious. Uh, I wish I could have experienced that, Andy. I, I, like you said, I was uh, it was before my time. But my number one, the deep-fried McDonald's apple pie. 
Oh, yeah, the old one. The old one. Yes. We're talking about, you know, now it's baked. Yeah, it's not the same thing. No. And that deep fried McDonald's apple pie was tremendous. <laughs> Why did that they stop? Have been the best, that might have been the best fast food dessert ever. They stopped because it wasn't healthy? <laughs> it's McDonald's. Then, and then they continued on with the rest of their business? <laughs> right. Like, what it's happened? Like, it's like, y'all know you're McDonald's, right? Yeah. You, like, you can make it as unhealthy as you want. That's crazy. Uh, I would, and I think those like stopped being made before I turned 10, but I remember them vividly. Oh, they were so, so, so It's like, you know, good. the apple pie now is still pretty good and they do the holiday pies and it's like, I'm not much of a sweets guy, but if you could dip one of those into the air, for, into the, the vat of grease and, and fry one of those oh things up. Oh my God. Uh, and it's just like, if the reason is they were too unhealthy, that's just unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. I bring those back and not a single person complains. And they're probably cheaper than yeah. the baked version. Yeah. Just just bring them back. Yeah. Listen, oh, that was a nice little run down memory lane. If if we can provide a single public service for everyone, it's to bring back the original McDonald's apple pie. So uh, yeah. get on it, McDonald's. Everybody else, have a great weekend. This is this is no football this weekend. Our first non-football weekend for a long, long time. Get out, smell some fresh air. We'll be back to talk football on Monday. We'll talk to you soon.